Hey everybody, this is Stephen Burkhart with Burkhart Creative Agency, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to this, you're listening to our podcast, and normally we have the Death to Vanilla podcast. Uh, however, today and uh, the next two days, we're going to step out and do a recap on AdWorld 2021, uh, the conference, and so uh, we uh, shot some video uh, that you're going to hear the audio from. Uh, just recapping different guests that stood out to us, different points and tips pertaining to marketing uh, and content marketing specifically that we really, really enjoyed. And so without further ado, let's get to that because that is 32 minutes and 31 seconds long, which is a little long, but I'll tell you what, um, we just crunched, uh, let's see, it started at 6 a.m., went to 2 p.m., crunched all of that into 30 minutes. So we're actually saving you a ton of time. And uh, we're so glad you're here, so glad you're listening. Um, please uh, leave a review if this brought value to you. Uh, check us out online, uh, BurkhartCreativeAgency.com. And uh, yeah, just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from uh, people who follow the show. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Ad World Recap for day one. Hey everybody, my name is Steven. And I'm Ryland Trader. And uh, we just wanted to share with you guys some really cool insights that we had from day one of the Ad World Conference. So um, I was actually uh, up just a little bit earlier, and so I was able to catch the very first two guests. And uh, the second one that I really liked, his name is Ben Parr. And so uh, it's actually really cool. So his, <laughs> his headshot is not great on ad world but he actually looked really cool he had this like cool like beard and cool hat i was like really vibing on it so uh anyways he uh really dropped some cool information which is that um, and maybe it's not new to some of you but it was new to me two major things coming down the pipeline or, or or one that already has come down the pipeline and another that is yet to come which is that uh ios 14 and 15 begun uh the rollout from apple to ask people permission to track their data and that's really important because like with Facebook like we yeah. just started Facebook ad um, we're looking to target the right people with the right ad at the right time blah 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 and uh, unfortunately his stat that he said was that mm -hmm. like 96% of people yeah. opt out of getting their data tracked now you have an interesting theory about that which is that i think it's going to be a little silly because i think once people stop getting those ads that pertain to them like those this coffee that you like or the suggested like brand that you might like i think people will start opting back into it so they can keep seeing those things that appeal to them and the things like they want that like they don't even know they want oh really what we're talking about is like a pendulum right so mm -hmm. we were we gave away all our information yeah. which to be honest we already gave it away so i don't know what we're gaining by taking it back but i guess current mm -hmm. behavior right so we we had the pendulum that way where we gave away all information now mm -hmm. we're swinging back to we want to keep all of our information and you're saying that it'll actually swing back again because of the fact yeah. that at the end of the day a bad ad is kind of like a waste of our time and attention right yeah pretty much yeah so anyway, so that was one big thing. Mm -hmm. So obviously uh, taking into that, taking that into account for strategy and content is important because mm -hmm. uh, you'll be able to track less in your advertising. Uh, additionally, 2023, Google will eliminate, um, at least according to their, their announcement, that could always change, but eliminate third party cookies. Now, this is typically what's tracked people all over the web and giving people a lot of data, but specifically, and this is terrifying, 
I don't know if it's really that terrifying. Right? There you go. Terrified face. So uh, I guess it is almost Halloween, right? So we can be freaking out. Um, things like open rates being communicated from Google back to the platform that you're scheduling all your email marketing uh, automation through, uh, completely gone. And so um, it was really interesting, like some people mm -hmm. kind of freaked out about it. Um, I certainly was intrigued about what the solution is of that problem. Yeah. Uh, and other people are like, okay, like it is what it is. And um, I don't know if, if people are quite as chill as I'd like to think that they are about it. Because at the end of the day, they have to justify yeah. the service that they provide and the money that they charge. And they have to be able to show something for it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's definitely going to be more difficult to like get that funnel of people. Because then you're just going to really have like your core audience that you already have. Like getting new views is definitely going to be more difficult once that's gone. Right. And I think that actually leads perfectly to the next guest, um, who, which is right when you, uh, towards the end when you came in, which is uh, an amazing uh, delivery by uh, Seth uh, Godin. I'm, I literally said Seth Rogen yeah. earlier. They're both bald. I was like, no way. I can't yeah. I missed it. Yeah. Very different guys, both bald. Um, but uh, very different demographic and uh, 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 skill set. But either way, Seth Godin sat down and um, he was basically talking at the end of the day, despite all these changes, mm -hmm. despite the lack of data that we now have, uh, all of these things, it still comes back to the fact that you have to make something that people want to see and that they'll miss when it's gone. And so obviously that was like hugely challenging because at the end of the day, that's something that transcends uh, a beautiful video. It transcends like the greatest copy. It transcends uh, the greatest strategies, which is like, do people actually find this interesting at yeah. all? The one thing that he did say that I thought was really interesting, and this kind of goes back to the niching down thing of finding a more specific audience, mm -hmm. is the idea that a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves and need these kinds of platforms to work in the way that they work because they're trying to reach everyone instead of a few people. And the, the example he used was Patagonia. The Patagonia started by the guy who was trying to reach like 400 uh, people who were like avid outdoors people that he knew like somewhat personally or at least acquaintances or at least knew their name mm -hmm. uh, and he tried to make them as happy as possible and then it blew up into an outdoor apparel brand he didn't try to start an outdoor apparel brand and then try to make 400 people happy like it was we typically do things in reverse right we want to try to reach everyone because that's the top of the funnel which is a decently logical choice uh, but he's saying, why don't you start with figuring out if you can make 400 people happy or maybe mm -hmm. 200 people or maybe 20 people happy and then expand your efforts from there. It's kind of like a reverse funnel, uh, at least at the beginning, right? Because then once you know that your product is great, then of course you can reach masses. But if you don't know that it is, then you're kind of guessing and you're trying to reach everyone with your ads. So I know we yeah. talked a little bit about niching down, but what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I definitely agree. I think that trying to reach a super broad audience definitely eliminates your chances of actually being seen almost because then it's like, yes, a lot of people are seeing your ad, but are they actually acting in any sort of way? Like, are they clicking on the links? Are they buying anything? Like, are you making a profit off of them seeing your ad? So I think that targeting like a smaller audience is definitely key before going to that bigger audience. And that's why something like impressions is just not... Is, not enough of a metric on its own. Mm -hmm.
Cool. All right. Well, that was kind of where you came in on the day. So maybe if yes. you can take the lead and tell us the next thing that stood out mm-hmm. to you. So for the next one, I don't actually remember their name, but they talked about how they were doing. They actually advertised for taboo, taboo um, advertisements. So basically they do things that aren't very, they're a little controversial that aren't really talked about in the media, but are becoming more like how they said it was, it makes consumerism feel like activism, where they're talking about things that make people a little uncomfortable, they weren't so common. Um, They mentioned how they did an ad for Wiz Khalifa and rather than it being like, it was a weed ad obviously, but rather (laughs) than it being like a medical way, it was just like, we're here to have fun. So they targeted more towards, we want to get you high, basically, rather than, oh, this is a medical sort of thing. So it's a little taboo in that sense, but I found it super interesting that um, we're kind of stepping into this advertisement world where saying like a little more inappropriate things that weren't as common back then are coming a little more common, a little more comfortable, a little more talked about. And another thing they mentioned was like um, they were... they were talking about some brands like Billy the Razor Company and they were talking about how not only do people want to buy the brand but they feel proud to be buying the brand like it's not um it's not like the pink tags it's not like super crazy like the design the overall design of it was really just a lot more modern a lot more like out there but also oh and another thing they mentioned about the razors is that they were showing more of people with like actual hair on their mm. bodies because normally in like old Venus commercials they show hairless women and now they're trying to make it more more realistic in the sense that women buy razors to be hairless not the other way around so I found that that was super interesting do you have any comments on well first of all it's kind of interesting that you would show I don't know I've never thought about the fact that like mm-hmm. hairless women are shaving yeah it kind of seems weird it does yeah it's yeah. very silly it is a little <laughs> silly um, I would say that the thing that I got from them, so their name was Maggie and Zach. Um, and so I think the thing from them was in order to break the rules, you have to know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. And so these uh, taboo industries that they're working in, the rules are pretty obvious. Obviously not to me with the shaving, but I also don't shave my legs, so I don't yeah. think about it a whole lot. <laughs> But, uh, you know, the, the rules are a little bit more obvious, maybe. And so mm-hmm. they were talking about how simply changing one thing, yeah. um, stretching one rule of the taboo can completely change uh, the impact that that, ha- that ad has, despite the fact that the ad itself, mm-hmm. maybe the design or the concept is not all that revolutionary. So, right. yes, showing women with hair while they're shaving because you shave hair. Exactly. Um, on its own, like the ad itself wasn't revolutionary. The fact that they showed women who had hair was revolutionary. Yes. And so that is what made it impactful. And that's what we've talked about like a lot. That's like why, why we have the Death of Vanilla uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Shameless plug for that. Um, but uh, And we'll have a link for that below. Uh, but the Death of Vanilla podcast, the whole point is us talking about doing something different that makes you stand out. Right. And so sometimes those rules are obvious mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not. And so them talking about taboo industries is kind of like a hotbed Yes. of opportunity to do something different and stand out. Yeah. And unfortunately, it takes a little bit of risk. Not every company is into doing that. No, they are not. But it is it is about knowing those rules and those boundaries, those lines you can cross without getting canceled. Uh, the next guy we talked about or watched was Joe Polizzi. And he talked about um, building and monetizing a digital audience. And one thing he hit really hard was either post consistently or don't even bother 
Because if you're not posting consistently, if you're not posting daily, you're not posting weekly, you're not hitting all those marks, you might as well not even bother because there's already so much content that's out there. And another thing he hit, which I found was really interesting, is that with this new generation that's coming up, there's a lot of new ideas that maybe the older generation isn't really aware of or these new trends that they're just not like quite as on as these younger generations. So he talked about going through and looking at corporations that maybe have some of those people who know those trends and actually contacting them and seeing either A, if they're available or B, if they know anyone who is available. And you can go on there, you can literally go on their websites and find them. Like you can go on your competitors' websites and find the people working for them and literally steal them. So I found that that was super interesting, which is, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, you know, and, and really realistically, that's why we created Burkhart Creative Agency is is not only because sometimes people actually need the, the tactical ability to pull something off, like maybe mm -hmm. they can't shoot video and we can or whatever else, but it's also this that idea of a fresh perspective. And I think that right. is brilliant. Like even when he was talking about stealing people, he wasn't even talking about necessarily like, like hiring them as an employee and like stealing people corporately. Uh, he was just saying like, hey, these people are writing for these publications mm -hmm. and they're freelance writers like just hire them to freelance for you like they already have the knowledge base yeah. and they can create content based around that and i don't know i thought that was pretty brilliant mm -hmm. so um another thing we found super interesting about joe was he mentioned buying audiences and one thing he mentioned about this was just kind of an example is hubsat bought um hustle and they bought like they bought it for 27 million which obviously seems like a lot but i guess it's a super great price is what he said and they bought, um, I can't even remember the number, but they bought like this huge audience and they basically advertised themselves to this um, audience of people who were kind of already interested in like the HubSpot kind of, kind of vibe. So they were able to like directly market to people who were already interested. So I thought that was like a very innovative way of creating revenue. Yeah, so just to clarify, the hustle is uh, a newsletter, like an email newsletter that they bought essentially that list for they mm -hmm. own the list um and so yeah that was a that was a brilliant move because those are literally like all entrepreneurs or people that could potentially be using hubspot yeah. okay so this next speaker joanne um i can't i don't know how to say her last name <laughs> anyways her name's joanne um she is with uh, copy hackers i believe yes. and she was absolutely my favorite today and I think it's just because it really exposed something that was lacking in me, which is mm -hmm. like this intentionality with words. So she's a copywriter, mm -hmm. literally her job. Um, but uh, she was able to go through and really nail down with like real words and re real phrases um, how to address uh, concerns, mm -hmm. um, uh, how to inspire people. Uh, to look at their life differently, to confirm the logic that people are, are supposedly using in their decision making. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the one little nugget that I'll give you that was really amazing was really the very first one that she went to, which is the difference between should and could. Mm -hmm. So could is more commonly used. And okay. so it's like you could make a million dollars with this process. Like you you um, you know, you like say for us, you hire Burkhart Creative Agency, you could uh, see a 10x return on your ads because of the video being better, right? 
but could and should are very, very different in what they imply in you. So could is like aspirational, where mm-hmm. like you could imagine yourself in this new place uh, that you could be in, right? I could imagine myself lying on a, uh, a chair on a boat getting served pastrami sandwiches and martinis. I don't know. <laughs> that does not sound good together. But, uh, you know, I could be there. I should be there. Is completely different. You should. Like, I, sh- yeah. I, I should, actually. Should. I should. In fact, I should be on the boat complaining about how the pastrami and the martinis <laughs> don't go together and send them back and have them bring me out something because I deserve you that. You should be doing that. I deserve that. that. <laughs> right? And so uh, a totally different um, way that, that goes about when you write your copy is, you know, you should be in this position, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're like, yeah, like, I do, I do deserve that. I do need that. Like, that is where I should be. And so um, from like a marketing standpoint, it, I think it helps clarify the gap between you, where you are and where you could be, should yeah, be, absolutely. should be. Sure. Look, there I am messing it up again. Uh, and then it exposes that gap. Like you should be doing this, but you're not. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shoot, I need a solution. <gasps> I need a solution to get me from here to here, right? So anyways, that was really my big takeaway. So there was so much more, but yeah. I want to keep this video under two hours so what was your thoughts on her um i thought it was super interesting how she didn't just go into keywords she also went into phrasing she mentioned that um she said space space semicolon so i think it might have been the other way around semicolon space space (laughs) (laughs) but basically the semicolon provides this break or this pause for the reader and it kind of almost almost makes them want to like continue reading because it's like oh i have to find out what happens next oh there's this little pause i have to like keep reading so i thought that was super interesting that even just something so small like a semicolon like it takes you how long to type that point zero of one second and it increases your search results by like how much so i thought that was just revolutionary it was just crazy to me you're a very fast typer fraction yeah. of a second <laughs> boom bang <laughs> Yeah, and actually, so to piggyback off of that, mm-hmm. the thing that she was talking about is something I literally do all the time, which is that I bold the thing, the point. I bold the point. But she said you actually need to bold that part, this is a semicolon, mm-hmm. that you need to like emphasize this buildup so that people are like, wait a second, what's where is she going with this? And you have to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, absolutely fascinating. Semicolon, space, space let it change your life mm-hmm. so anyways i could talk about her forever uh next is uh ross simmons and so he talked about how content is not king about how yeah. distribution is and i'm not sure i agree but i'd love to hear your perspective on some of the things that he dropped knowledge wise um so one thing i found interesting about him is that when he first introduced himself he started talking about the cocktail party effect now this one was kind of like kind of almost um the way he went with it was expected almost where he was like oh there's all this noise around you but the cocktail party effect is there was where, no curveball in there yeah, like, like you know, like, i know where that's was, going yeah he <laughs> kind of was like but in the digital world obviously obviously there is so much noise around us there is always something happening there's always a new trend there's always something going viral there's always a new post to like there's always just there's always just something going on and so i think one thing he mentioned was distribution for sure and just like getting on platforms that maybe you don't think are like for you like he mentioned reddit and Quora, and um i can't remember some of the other things mentioned but he mentioned 
just getting on those platforms because people are asking questions. They want to know answers. And so if you go on there and your business is offering a service, like look up what people want that's kind of like around your service or your product and like find them, like comment them, be like, oh, hey, we have this available for you. We have this for you. So I thought that that was really interesting because he mentioned like distribution kind of like distributing almost your link to Mm. your website, which was super cool. Yeah, in the post that you're responding, that you respond with something that's helpful and the link to an article that would explain that further, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, Yeah, so I think it was really interesting. I think, like, for me to make some, like, hair-splitting comment about, like, distribution being king instead of Mm -hmm. content, I think is kind of silly because at the end of the day, like, the whole reason you make content is to distribute it. So, like, I don't know. like, And you can't distribute nothing. Right. So I don't know. I, I still feel like content is king. Um, but I do think that his point that distribution is highly important absolutely. is absolutely true. And so one thing that he mentioned to your point with uh, Reddit is that uh, it is like the third most searched yeah. or it pulls up in search results like the third out of like everything, everything, yeah. literally everything. It's like YouTube, Facebook, and then reddit right right big surprise since youtube is google so but yeah so it's like yeah so then it's reddit and i think pinterest was sixth uh linkedin was like eighth Uh, so of course that signals to you that this is an important place to be and i I gotta admit like Mm -hmm. i'm not on there and thankfully um apparently i'm not the only one because he said that lots of marketers are absolutely not on reddit Mm -hmm. they don't know how to use it um and i guess you know at the end of the day you'd probably have to have a community manager as a part of your social media team because like who's gonna have time to just go and like respond to things all the time like that is its own full-time job like no joke Mm -hmm. like you know if you already have someone creating content someone scheduling it out and doing all the optimizing and the research and the auditing of that you need to have someone else reaching out into the community which is exactly what reddit is Ugh, but what was the other thing? Oh, the other thing that was really cool was Facebook page graveyards is what he called them. Yes. And so he's basically saying, like, you have these pages on Facebook that have been around since 2007 or something crazy mm-hmm. uh, where people have built these massive audiences. They've since abandoned it because of a lack of interest or they moved on or they started a different Facebook group. And so there's these Facebook pages that have, like, thousands and thousands of people as a part of them. Mm-hmm. They could be in your niche, and you can just buy them. I don't even know. If, like, he said he bought one for, like, three grand. I bet you you could just get one for free. Yeah. Because, like, if the pe- person doesn't give a crap, like, you just, here, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, just do that. And then, uh, and then now you have access to all these people who at one point in time were legitimately right. interested in what that person was talking about and that concept. So... I thought that was really crazy. I literally never thought about it. Everyone's talking about Facebook groups, but Facebook pages that have thousands of people already, mm-hmm. amazing. And it was crazy because he said he bought it and he turned around and made profit within the, the week. Like, yeah. he literally was able to buy that group, sell his product, and make all of his money back and more. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it's... And it's kind of like people will usually buy like email lists. They're like borrowed lists. They're mm-hmm. like they don't own them, but they're buying them from someone else. But this is like legitimately, you you really kind of do own the list. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for this next part, we listened to Benton Crane, and he talked. He mentioned that he 
really honed in on testimonials and how they use testimonials to sell a certain product. And they said that um, it actually increased the um, the people who wanted to buy it because people like buying from other people. They like buying from like this person who's already experienced it. They've already gone through like what the product is going to do to them, how the service is, what it's like. So they basically took reviews from real people and they just put it up and they put it back like with some stock footages or stock images and then they did like the the little testimonials and it was like a five second clip of a bunch of like things with some music and he said it was like a viral ad or something like that which is super crazy because it's that's something really easy you can do that on iMovie like it's not hard you know yeah well I mean because his point was that like everyone does research before they buy a product Mm -hmm. so why not just make your video ad be that thing be the research right right yeah it it was really 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 cool it was funny because we were actually having some internet problems (laughs) and so um he talked about moving from poop to gold and i was like did he just say poop yeah Uh, he he did he did say poop Mm -hmm. um but what he was talking about is just um that like growing uh the brand Mm -hmm. from being completely obscure to well known um so i mean it was it was a shocking comparison but whatever um either way it was it was super smart and the idea was that like um because the fact the testimonials are so brand building don't overlook those as legitimate ways of building your brand Mm -hmm. your reputation getting your name out there and um yeah just building that trust Mm -hmm. and it's like you said it's super simple like you can just literally use your phone and or canva and uh, build like some automation on some testimonial text. Okay, so the next one, uh, speaking of testimonials, was um, the next presenter was the CMO from Canva. And that while yeah. we didn't necessarily like his presentation, no. it was basically just an ad for Canva and they do some wonderful things. So I don't want to yeah. downplay that. But the funny thing is, is like his whole entire presentation was formed out of testimonials ding 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 Ding, you're so right Mm -hmm. and so literally like probably 70 percent of his testimonial was or sorry his presentation was testimonials for people around the world who used his products as um for their for their business for social movements um for all kinds of things so Mm -hmm. i don't know i thought that was pretty cool uh just to see that um validation in action the literally the next person presenting yeah. was kind of cool i thought it was no it was super cool and he he definitely mentioned like he went through their messaging which was cool you got to see like this big agency who started off like with such a small number of users and they really did explode and which is super cool because it's like oh i have well i don't personally but maybe someone out there has like a small little app and they feel like there's no hope but like there is because you can you, we literally saw it you know with canva so i thought that was super interesting yeah, they, they put together some pretty crazy commercials mm-hmm. uh, for their product. And, you know, it is as amazing and as user-friendly and as lovely as they say. And we use it for a lot of stuff. So we Thank actually, you. we're part of the payers of this program, right? We are. We said there's 60 million, million people that use it every single mm-hmm. like week or month or something like that. It's crazy. crazy. All right, next person, Chris Sugatan. Sugatan. This is why I'm not a DJ. Like, I should not announce people's names. It's just yeah. the worst. So, Chris, she was the one with a $3 million Facebook ad. 
So I think you had some fire notes on that one. I did. I was actually a little upset about this ad because it was so simple. Like, it was so incredibly easy. They, it was for Maine Lobster, I believe, and they basically just unboxed, like, their packaging. They showed the product. She made the food, like, she ate the food, and it went viral. And so I was a little, I was a little pressed, not gonna lie, because we've definitely done our own ads, and we definitely do stuff that's a lot more sophisticated and complex than that, that that really showcases our brand personally. So I guess it does matter which what you're trying to put out there. But I was, I thought it was super crazy how simple the ad was and how much money it was able to make him, because I think they said it was, it was three million dollars, but they said for every three dollars made like seven dollars. So he made a significant profit off of this like one little ad where they showcased pictures of the food and they said it was viral because of its relatability. Like they said when they went through strategy, the um, the wow factor didn't work, the um, the value factor didn't work, and so they went with the relatability and that's how they got that viral um, ad for them. He's, he makes about a million dollars a year from this business selling the lobster. Um, but that, you know, it's still crazy to me that he still spent three million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's three full months of revenue that he spent on advertising. But obviously, it profited him well and did really well. And uh, the one thing I really took away from her is like her team did a really good job of optimizing. So yeah. um, they tested those other ways of presenting his product that didn't work, and they were mm-hmm. able to eliminate those from the ad spend. Um, but additionally, they found. Uh, they would be able to test videos and test graphics and then combine them together. Mm-hmm. So, for example, that ad that you're talking about, uh, it is her unboxing uh, the lobster and cooking it and doing the whole nine yards. But they also have pictures of mm-hmm. the final product in uh, a very similar fashion that Facebook shows albums, which is like one big square and then some squares around the border in the corner. And so, which is funny because that makes me immediately think of... Um, one of Gary Vaynerchuk's books where he talks about doing things that are native to the platform mm-hmm. and how those always perform better. Well, this was a Facebook ad and it was arranged in a way that Facebook, you typically see things on yeah. Facebook. So it was very familiar in the sense that you're looking for that on the platform and you're seeing it and it's familiar uh, in addition to it being relatable with yeah. the kind of person who was in it, the way it was presented and the video production quality, which was on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. <laughs> like, I'm shooting with $7,000 worth of gear. And... <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, so the next one was using psychology in video ads. So uh, this was with uh, Matthew Howard. So give me mm-hmm. a couple of zingy tips from him. Um, a few of his little zingy tips were... <laughs> he uh, talked about his their own personal app. I believe it's called, like, Voyond or something like that. It's like Beyond with a V instead of a B-E. Hmm. So it was Beyond. I don't know. I looked up Beyond and all I found was Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, yeah. It's Vion. And it's Vion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out that took me a couple, <laughs> <laughs> couple tries to we, find we it. We got there. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. But he mentioned how, um, how visual is really a key factor in um, advertisement and being more visual actually can increase your profit or like the amount of people that who will buy from you because they're like they kind of have this like relatedness and because they can like visually see what's happening and see how it's like working and playing out and see the timeline of how your product works that kind of increased um the revenue for businesses well he specifically mentioned three things 
that we see and relate to the most? Mm -hmm. Pop quiz. So faces, Mm -hmm. um, I believe expressions and movement, I believe are the three. So anyway, so he, he does illustrations. They're not real video. Sorry. Oof. That sounds rough. I'm not calling anyone out. Uh, they are not uh, video shot videos. They are motion graphics illustrations. Yeah. And so he was saying that even the fact that there is a human face, even in illustration form, is still more relatable mm-hmm. than not seeing a face at all. And yeah. so it was really, I don't know, it was crazy to learn about that and just realize that you know, all the things that they talk about with, um, you know, needing to see someone like you to order to relate. And that's why there's all sorts of ethnicities mm-hmm. in videos and in age groups and stuff like that. And why products for old people have old people in them and products for young people have young people in them is because you literally do need to see someone like you mm-hmm. to have a connection and develop uh, that psychology, uh, psychological like connection there. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I definitely liked it. So, so yeah, so those are our big tips um, from some of the people that we enjoyed most. We'll have, uh, I think we'll probably have some of their faces in uh, the mm-hmm. main thumbnail. And uh, I don't know, if I'm feeling really kind, I'll put a whole bunch of links in there. We're just trying to get this video up as quickly as possible because we wanted to bring you some amazing content from day one of AdWorld. It was really cool. Looking forward to day two um, and day three. And I'm hoping that I just don't actually become one with my couch um, by day three because I'm getting a little comfy over here. So I'm doing little walks here and there. I know it's crazy. So uh, anyways, thank you guys for watching and uh, hopefully, yeah, just reach out, contact us, uh, comment, whatever you want to do. Tell us about your experience at AdWorld if you happen to participate. Um, and yeah, it was good, good, good chatting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool.